Hey, what's going on, everybody? Back at you with another edition of 525 Sports. Uh, providing another experience. That's what we do, Cam. We provide experiences to other people. How's it going, Yes, guys? it's not It's not an episode. Is it, a, it is an experience, it's an experience with the 525 Sports. But it's going good. Today's Wednesday, September 4th. Tomorrow is the 5th of September. It's a Thursday, so that can mean only one thing. Thursday night football is back. It is week one yes. of the NFL season. We've got Bears and Packers. Who you got tomorrow night? Uh, the Bears. That front seven is disgusting, and they are going to get after Aaron Rodgers. Disgusting in a good way. Uh, Khalil Max nasty. Glad he's not with the Raiders anymore. He is going to have – I am predicting multiple sacks tomorrow. So uh, – Hot take alert. Multiple Khalil- sacks. Multiple times, maybe a forced fumble. He's going to have a big night. Hot take alert, Khalil Mack is good. The game's at Chicago, so I, I like the Bears as well. I think it'll be a good game. Um, two really good teams, both vying for playoff spots um, in the NFC North. So, yeah, that's where we're sitting at for tomorrow. Two, two, uh, two best teams in that division, you think? Or uh, the Vikings got something to say about that? Uh, I'd say the Vikings have something to say about that. I'm not 100% sold on. Mitch Trubisky, um, even though I have him as my backup in fantasy football. But I don't know if he is an elite quarterback. He definitely has the pieces around him. Um, Allen Robinson's a really good wide receiver. They've got uh, my, my pick for rookie of the year in the backfield with David Montgomery. Um, but, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. And I think that he's going to be hungry to win the division this year. So, We'll see. We'll see how things play play out. Yeah, I sort of, um, I sort of feel like with the Packers, and we didn't, we didn't really plan on on going this far into this today. But I sort of feel like Aaron Rodgers sort of out of excuses at this point. Like if they don't get to the playoffs this year, eh, you kind of got like you don't have to blame Aaron Rodgers, but you got to put more of the blame on him because you now got an offensive head coach who right. he uh, they. they sort of quick and he's letting Aaron Rodgers do a little bit more and that was sort of always Aaron Rodgers beef with Mike McCarthy and so you know Matt LaFleur's come out and said he's going to be able to make audibles and, and, and change things the way that he needs to so you know if if they don't make the playoffs they have a down year some of that blame has got to start to go on number 12 I think I agree but, but let's get into it man uh we haven't been on for a while so we haven't been able to talk about uh Andrew Luck's uh retirement what were your thoughts I mean, it really came out of left field. I mean, that goes without saying. I think it was came out of left field for everybody. Um, I immediately thought of Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson and, you know, just the the shock that I was, especially with Barry Sanders, because he was my favorite player as a kid, my favorite non-chief. And he's from Wichita, Kansas, so local guy too. Yep. And I was just like, dang, you are at the peak of your game. And you're quitting. Why would you? Why would you quit right now? But that was me as a kid. Me as a 29 year old um, who is married and is expecting his first kid, which I think Andrew Luck is in that same boat. I totally get why he would want to step away from football. I mean, it is such a taxing game. Um, I only played one year of football growing up. Um, both you and I are. Our fathers both played football at the collegiate level. Your dad at uh, mm-hmm. Independence and at Ottawa, right? Right. And then my dad played at Pittsburgh State. 
And, you know, just talking to him, my dad only played one year in college, but he's like, son, there are guys who I played with who were four-year players at Pittsburgh State, and they didn't even play professional. And they wake up today, and their back aches, their knees hurt, their ankles hurt, just because they took a punishment all from the time that they were in fourth grade until they were 24, 22 years old. Well, Andrew Luck's 29, and he's had so many injuries. And with that comes so many mental roadblocks. Mind you, I'm sure he sustained a couple of concussions or three concussions throughout his career. He's got the rest of his life ahead of him, okay? It's selfish for fans, and not just Colts fans, just fans in general, to pull, play the, well, he retired too young card. Why, why is he doing that? I mean, it's his life. Let him do whatever he wants. It's not like he's breaking any moral codes. He just doesn't want to play football anymore. Take your right. money. Go enjoy the rest of your life. Um, I wish him all the best. What about that, you? That and Andrew Luck is a really smart dude. Um, he's got a lot of interests that are not football related. Uh, and so, <laughs> excuse me, I could see Andrew Luck uh, leaving football and being just fine with it and going and doing something else. I think he's got like an architecture degree from Stanford. So the dude's a very bright uh, a guy. Uh, but to to the to your point with the injury thing, um, my youngest brother was a quarterback in high school, and every football season in high school, his his back would flare up, and he has he would have almost chronic back issues any time that he would do anything, you know, physically with in within football because he'd get hit, and I don't know if it was a nerve problem or what, but he would uh, he'd be feeling it. He'd have to have uh, ice wraps and things like that at night. So the injuries are very real, um, and we we pray that Andrew Luck has peace in his decision because for so many football players, uh, it's 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 like they stop playing and they don't know what to do with themselves. I don't think that'll be the case in this case, but uh, but you never know, right? You know, when when football is such a big part of your life for so long, and a lot of people don't know that um, you know his interests outside of football. I mean that ties in with his family. His dad, I think, he may not be anymore, but he used to be the athletic director at West Virginia University. Um, he had a sibling who played um, college volleyball, I think at Stanford or at West Virginia. Right. So he, he's got connections everywhere. If he wants to stay right. involved in athletics, he can stay involved in athletics. And, yeah, he's got a degree from Stanford. He's a sharp guy. He's made tens of millions of dollars throughout his career. He's not going to be the guy that in 10 years – ESPN does broke part two as a 30 for 30 special. And Andrew Luck is, is one of the featured players on that 30 no, for 30. And he's so beloved in Stanford, at, uh, not in Stanford, but at Stanford that he could get a job in their athletic department tomorrow. Oh, definitely. If to one. Definitely. Uh, so, so um, yeah, but Oliver Luck is the commissioner of the XFL. Oh, know? that's right. So. so, so yeah, man, but, uh, Let's transition football heavy show today a little bit. Um, recap of week one in college football. KU wins by the skin of their teeth. Uh, Missouri gets routed uh, at Wyoming. I shouldn't say routed. They lost by six. They were down by 17 at one point in that game. Right, I'm Cowboys. Uh, <laughs> Tennessee uh, loses at, uh, to Georgia State at home. And uh, 
Florida State blows a 31-13 lead to Boise State in that hot seat for Willie Taggart gets even hotter. What were uh, your takeaways from week one, locally and otherwise? Um, I'll just stick with the locals because that's what I paid attention to the most. I really loved how Andrew Parchment looked for KU. He had a heck of a day. Um, he's a JUCO transfer from, I think, Iowa Central Community College. Iowa over, Western, right? Was it Iowa Western or Iowa Central? One of one of the two uh, community. One of, the, one of those two community colleges. He had a great game. He had a touchdown reception, I believe. Uh-huh. He also had a he passed for a two point conversion um, to put the Jayhawks up seven really late. Um, I thought the team looked good. I won't say they looked great, um, but for week one against an FCS. They looked a heck of a lot better than they did opening game last year. I'll tell you that. I was at that game last year when they lost to Nickel State, and it was probably the worst college football game I've ever been to in terms of the amount of times that false start or offsides was called, quarterbacks fumbling snaps, um, offense stalling out. Um, This week looked a lot better than week one of last week for KU. I like the fact that Les Miles stuck with one quarterback through the entire game. I like I liked that it was Carter Stanley because I I've been saying for three blessed years that Carter Stanley should be the starting quarterback at KU, but y'all haven't listened to the podcast for three years because we haven't had that podcast that long. Um, I think Barry Odom is on the hot seat at Mizzou. I know that they've got a really good quarterback in Kelly Bryant, but Mizzou expects the team to do big things this year. The alumni, the donors, athletic department they expect the football team to do big things this year even though they're banned from a bowl game they expect you know eight or nine wins and the schedule set up for missouri where if i'm looking at it right now they played wyoming next week they got west virginia which should be a win next week after that semo then they've got south carolina who lost to north carolina which was a shocker shout out mac brown they played troy mississippi and vanderbilt Okay, it's not like they've got the most hellacious schedule through the first six weeks. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven weeks. Okay, uh, their uh, toughest games are at Kentucky in week, or yeah, at Kentucky week eight, at Georgia week nine, home of Florida week ten, home against Tennessee, which looks like it could be a dub, and at Arkansas, which will definitely be a dub. Well, at least I thought it would be. But now it's like, well, what the heck? Are we going to get the Missouri team that lost 37-31 to Wyoming? Or are we going to get a Missouri team that beat Florida last year? So I wouldn't I wouldn't say hot seat for Barry Odom yet, but it's not cold. And then finally with K-State, um, they looked really good. That's, that's a really solid team um, that they've got in Manhattan. Uh, Chris Kleiman, I heard this morning that uh, – I didn't hear the interview that he had, but um, – I guess he said something to the effect of, yeah, it wasn't a perfect day. Um, kids showed up to the to the locker room. They didn't know what, what time we were eating. They didn't know what we were wearing. There's just a lot of confusion going on. So he was still able to find some negatives um, in their week one game against Nichols State. But they look like they're going to be a pretty solid team with Skylar Thompson back at quarterback. Um so yeah, those are my uh, my takeaways for week one. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, look, I echo your, all of your sentiments. Um, as far as Missouri is concerned, every one of those games that you listed on their schedule is winnable, with the exception of Georgia. 
Um, but they're also losable if they don't find way, if they can't play any better than they played against Wyoming, uh, they're not winning very many games this year. Um, so yeah, and Barry Odom wouldn't last past the season. Um, with KU, I agree that, that, uh, that I, I like the way that they stuck with Carter Stanley. Uh, my dad was, I'm in a group text with my dad and my brother and, uh, and, my dad was sitting there saying they need to, they need to bring uh, Thomas McVitie in. No, and, and I I said no too. I you know because my dad said well you know uh, some of those incompletions that he threw when he was fifteen to twenty one could have been interceptions. Yeah, but they weren't. Okay, right. they weren't. So you you know there's an old expression. Pardon my language. If my aunt had nuts, she'd be my uncle. <laughs> so 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 then. They, they weren't interceptions, and so you can't sit there and say, "Well, they were they were almost interceptions, but they weren't." Andrew Parsons looked great. Um, yeah, KU didn't look phenomenal. Uh, I was a little bit frustrated with the third down play calling because um, it seemed like everything was a screen, you know, on third and twelve, right. uh, and so that was frustrating. I think you need to throw the ball down the field a little bit more, but I can understand at the same time you don't want to risk a turnover. So uh, I got it. But um, yeah, I thought they looked. I thought they looked better. Uh, I think they'll be able to get Coastal Carolina this week, and then uh, you know I don't think any game on their schedule after that looks particularly winnable. But we'll see how that goes uh, with Mizzou. I think I've already covered that. And then uh, K State, yeah, they look, they look really good. Um, but again, it was it's Nichols, and Nichols is rebuilding a little bit from last year. They don't have the defensive front that they had last year, um, and so. It it's gonna change. Uh, we'll see how how good they look against Bowling Green, and in particular in in a week from now, uh, nine days from now when they play, uh, or ten days from now when they play uh, Mississippi State in Starkville. That'll be the, I think the true test to where this K State team is. If they come into if they go into Starkville and they just roll Mississippi State, um, look out because you've got a a serious challenger for. Probably third place in the Big Twelve at that I, point. I think K State will should absolutely thump Bowling Green. Yeah. I think the Mississippi State game. I don't know. I don't think they're going to win. It's it's tough to win a a true road game against an SEC team. And Mississippi State they're is not pretty. Bad. They're not bad. Um, who's their quarterback this year? No, oh, I I couldn't tell you, bro. It's not it's not the same guy they had last year, right? I'm pretty sure he graduated. Yeah, I think he did. He he was like a Colin Klein 2.0 type cuz I went right. to the I went to the game in Manhattan and watched that. They thumped K-State last year. They, didn't they they I don't know if it was a total whooping, but man, their offensive Mississippi State's offensive line controlled the line of scrimmage. Their quarterback, he ran whatever he wanted to whenever he wanted to. They they were really good last year. So Yeah. But the, the thing with K-State that impressed me before we move on, they always seem to struggle week one, no matter who their opponent is. They did not struggle at all on Saturday. No. Uh, that was that was theirs for the taking. So uh, four, four touchdowns in the first half. They hung 21 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> James Gilbert looked great. He had 18 carries for 115 yards and a score. They're going to be good, I think. We'll I, see what happens when they come to the booth in November, though. Yeah, the booth. The booth. Yeah. All right, man. Let's move on. Uh, what do you want to go on next? Let's uh, do a little uniform madness. How about let's that? Do it. 
All right. So back by popular demand and by popular demand, I mean, Ace and I wanted to do this again. We're doing <laughs> some 525 football uniform madness, much like we did during the baseball season. Round one is complete. Mm-hmm. So we're down to 16 teams. Our round two matchups look like this. We got the Packers. Packers were our number one overall seed. Ace, Ace and I did pre-bracket rankings, and then we just took the average of our rankings, one through 32, and that gave us our seeding. So uh, round two matchups, number one overall seed was Green Bay Packers. So they take on the 16 seed Baltimore Ravens. Mm-hmm. Second matchup, this was one of the biggest upsets. Not the biggest upset, but one of the biggest ones. Number 24 seeded Atlanta Falcons, who took down the nine seeded Rams first round, take on the oh. number eight Chicago Bears. We've got the four seeded Cowboys taking on the 20 seeded Texans. We've got the 21 seeded Eagles, who took down the Redskins in the first round. They were a 12 seed, taking on the Chargers. Number two Bills against the number 18 Seahawks, who took down Aces' second ranked. Cincinnati Bengals. Uh-huh. I ranked them 27, which is why they got the 15 seed. They have the sweetest helmets in all of football. Yeah. If you're into like Lisa Frank uh, coloring books and felt tip markers and dressing like you're going to fish fry. Uh, you don't yeah. like those? No, I don't care for them. No, wow. They're, they're tacky. Wow. Um, next, <laughs> next matchup is the Chiefs. They're the 10 seed. Against the Panthers, they're the 26th seed. And the upset of the week, Raiders lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars. What? Shame on you voters. Okay, I don't like the Raiders, but everyone knows the Jaguars uniforms are god-awful. I had had them ranked 31 out of 32 teams. Ace had them at 26. The only uniform I had lower than that was the – Buccaneers with their uh, numerals that look like alarm clock uh, numbers. <laughs> That's what they I look like. Thought, I never thought about it like that. But they look true. like alarm clock numbers. That's I just can't get over. It. I'm like, oh my gosh, it looks so freaking bad. What what about those numbers makes you think of a pirate? Nothing. Do you do you prefer their their uniforms now or their cream sickle uniforms from the seventies? It, neither. I, I, the, their best uniforms were when they won the Super won the, Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. The Der- Derek Brooks era Buccaneers uniforms but on point. You know, you know why they won that Super Bowl, right? Because they, they, knew... had, they had Brad Johnson. No, well, obviously. No. Um, <laughs> they knew all the Raiders' audibles. And so uh-huh. every time that Rich Gannon would – John Gruden, who had just coached the Raiders the year before, was coaching the Buccaneers. And so uh, they knew all of the Raiders' audibles. And so whenever Rich Gannon would, would check into something else, uh, John Lynch would be screaming, they're running this, they're running this. And they knew it. And so uh, they knew what to run defensively. That's why they shut down the Raiders' offense on that Sunday night. Moral of the story, kids, change your audibles if you want to win the Super Bowl. Absolutely. Our, our next matchup, and I promise you uh, we're almost done with the old matchups, uh, was Jaguars. They're taking on the Vikings, who's a 14 seed. And then final matchup is Steelers versus Saints. 
those are the squads we have left. Um, so yeah, I'll post those matchups after the podcast today. This is Wednesday night. Go vote. You can follow me on Twitter at Hey Schneid. Ace will retweet those as well. His Twitter handle is at Ace Boogie. Boogie underscore 11. At Ace Boogie underscore 11. So go vote. The more votes, the the better uh, idea of who has the best uniforms uh, will pro, uh, pr- prevail. We've actually had a pretty good turnout, I feel like, with the voting. I do too. Uh, second time around. Uh, let's move on, man. What's our fourth topic today? I don't remember what we said last week, honestly. I can't remember either. I, I didn't check before the show started. Neither did I. Let's uh, uh, let's scroll back and this uh, is world world class audio here, folks. <laughs> oh, miles to go. Oh yeah, yeah. Did you watch all the episodes? I did watch all the episodes. What do you think of episode four in particular? It was great. I loved all of them. I loved all of them. If you, by I. <sighs> I love the conditioning scenes because yep. he's so old school. Yeah. And I love it when he was like chewing out his student assistants. I yeah. thought it was hilarious. The <laughs> That big old boy was puking. And he goes, you know, you got to eat something in the morning that you like to eat. You can't eat something that you don't like to eat. You understand me, bud? He pats him on the back and goes, right. oh, boy, I love that sound in the morning. Which it's so true. I, I told my dad about the the show. He doesn't have ESPN Plus, but I told him about it. And of course, he goes into uh, reminiscence mode. Um, my dad played at Pitt State, and he played for Dennis Franchione. And if you don't know who Coach Franchione is, he went on to he coached some NFL greats. He coached Brian Urlacher. He coached Ladainian Tomlinson. He he wound up coaching at Alabama and at Texas A and M. Well, my dad told me one of their conditioning drills at Pitt was he would set up um, cones 40 yards apart from each other, and you would have to sprint down to one cone and then jog back to the other and sprint and jog, sprint and jog. And you would have to do that in five-minute increments. And if Coach Fran didn't think you were running hard, he would – uh, holler, Duke, put five more minutes on the clock. And they would just do it five minutes at a time. He said the week after they got back, um, this is my dad's freshman year, the week after they got back from Thanksgiving break, um, they were getting ready for the playoffs. And they had a team meeting Sunday uh-huh. night. And there are two uh, brothers from Iowa. And Coach Francione, um called one of them out. And he, he goes, boys, we got to get ready for the playoffs. I see some of you didn't take care of yourselves this, this Thanksgiving break. You right there, your face is fatter. I think you gained 10 pounds since I last saw you last week. And the whole room just got silent. They did that sprint drill for 20 minutes the next day. Wow. 20 minutes. And my dad was like, people were puking turkey and pumpkin pie everywhere. It's it, that's that's disgusting, right after yeah. eating dinner. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's my reaction to Miles to go. I love it. I, if you haven't it, watched it, if you're like a K State fan or a Mizzou fan, don't waste your time. No offense, you won't enjoy it. But if you're but, a casual football fan and you like Hard Knocks or Last Chance You, um, check it out. It's worth the five dollars uh, to subscribe to ESPN Plus. Um, 
I I like it's a really small thing, but it's a detail oriented thing. Um, Quan Drake, their defensive line coach, right? I like uh, him a lot. Got, got into the got into a defensive lineman during winter conditioning because he didn't he didn't wear his helmet off the field. He was carrying it off the field, and so he uh, lit into it lit into one of his linemen just for that. And it's such a small thing. But if you're not a detail-oriented guy, uh, coach, um, it's gonna it's gonna bite you uh, right. at that level. And so I love the fact that with that staff, every detail matters, and literally every detail matters. And uh, yeah, you see that in particular with episode four. Um, but yeah, my it's funny you were talking about your dad. My dad was reminiscing about his coaching days. And he mentioned that he saw a player of his uh, one time. Uh, his player got a scholarship to Independence Community College. and uh, Go Pirates. Go Pirates. And the player came back, like, over Christmas break or something. And uh, and he goes, I thought, he goes, Coach, I thought it was going to be all hard. and It was going to be all, you know, difficult and stuff going to college. He said, your practices in high school were way more difficult than anything I've had it. Independence. So my dad is old school too, which is why, he which was, is why Independence has had like two winning seasons in the last thirty r- r- years. <laughs> right, right. And uh, and 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 my dad's old school too, so he would really enjoy that as well. Um, what's our our final topic? Final today? topic: Kansas City Royals. Yeah, um, man. If you've been living under a rock, or if you're just not a follower of the baseball, uh, the Royals, uh, the Glass family, has agreed in principle to sell the team for a billion dollars to a local businessman and a minority owner of the Cleveland Indians, John Sherman. Now, does he have to give up his minority stake in the Indians? He does. He does indeed. So the way it'll work out from what I understand is the agreement in principle is completed. He has to sell off his minority stake in the Indians, and then it has to go before – the owners of the rest of the major league teams, and that can take place in November. That's the soonest it can take place. And if the owners approve, the ball club belongs to John Sherman and his investing group. He's not buying it outright for a billion dollars himself. He's got other financial backers. Um, But yeah, I'm really excited about it. Um, (laughs) What's your lasting legacy? And I should have, asked you this before we got on the air. Um, what do you think the lasting legacy of David Glass will be? Um, to be honest with you, uh, I would love to say World Series. Uh, and Because I, you know, but I think everybody thinks of Dayton Moore as the World Series guy. Yeah. I think, every, I think everybody thinks that's sort of his thing. Um, as the GM, he's sort of the architect. So with David Glass, and maybe I shouldn't think this, but I think cheap. Yeah. I, I do. I, you know, because they've had so much talent over the past 20 years that they were not able to keep because other ball clubs come in and buy them, basically. Uh, right. With, with big contracts. And so, and, and some of that is, you know, it is the way it is. That's the way baseball works. But uh, for small market teams, I mentioned one time to somebody, I said, 
you know, with small market teams, that's the way it is. You have three winning seasons and 20 losing ones. Uh, yeah. You know, that's the way that works. But uh, for me, the year that we that the Royals won the series, they had the 11th highest payroll in baseball. I think they're at $165 million. And I think that's going to – that would be the peak of what this market can spend in a great year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, it's going to be um, – the way I heard it put on the radio today was there's going to always be your tier one uh, spenders, your New York Yankees, your Boston Red Sox, your L.A. Dodgers, those types of teams who are just astronomically higher spenders than you. Then right. there's going to be tier two. The Royals need to be tier three spenders if they want to be competitive. They need to aspire to be like St. Louis Cardinal-esque in the way that they run their franchise. As much as I dislike the Cardinals, they're a market that is comparable to Kansas City. And granted, they're, they're, I don't, they're not the only show in town, but Card- St. Louis loves their baseball. They don't have a football team, and they don't have an NBA team. So the Cardinals, they're the end thing to follow. That and the Blues. Right. Can't discount the Blues. They just won a Stanley Cup. It, it can be doable, but it's going to take a new way of thinking. You're going to have to You're gonna have to get creative uh, yeah. in the way that you uh, run your farm quest. Yeah. Because you have to, you have to grow it organically. You cannot. You have to do what they did in 2014 and 2015. You're not going to be able to go buy uh, Mike Trout from the, you know, as a free agent. That's yeah. not. That's not realistic. Uh, so which is why. Which is why I think the combo of John Sherman and Dayton Moore is going to be good because Dayton is more of the scout him and draft him type right. of guy. And the Indians, they've really gotten into the analytics side of baseball in recent years. And Sherman's been a part of that. C- couple of those two together, I-, I think good things could happen. Um, we'll see if Dayton Moore sticks around for the long term. I'm not right. predicting he gets fired or anything, not yet at least. But maybe he gets in and says, you know, you're not the guy who hired me. No offense, but I think I'm going to, you know, take a break from baseball for now. And then John Sherman could bring in whoever he wants to be GM. I could see that happening. I think this is going to be one of Ned Yost's last two seasons. I'm, I'm not saying he's going to get fired. I just think that he had, he had he, built up a relationship with the Glass family. Yeah. And a trust. They, and tru- I, they trusted Ned. And I just think it's – they'll hire him in a, a different capacity than being manager. Oh, I you think, think he's going to retire from managing? I do. I do. I think I think Mike Matheny will be the next manager of the Royals. Wow. That's a hot take alert. Uh, they they brought him in as a special advisor for a reason. Oh uh, yeah. I think he's gonna be the next manager. Um, and I don't think the Royals will have a downtown ballpark. Hot take. I don't want him to. But do you think that my my assessment of the of, of David Glass is unfair when no, I No, But I want I want you to keep this in mind. How many pennants did you and Kaufman win in Kansas City? Zero. No, two. two wait, two? They won. They, oh, they, that's right. AL, they won the pennant in 80. 
and they won in '85. I forget about. I forget about how many that. how many World Series did Ewing Kaufman win? One. How many pennants did David Glass win? Two. How many World Series did David Glass win? One. <laughs> so, if you want to yeah. talk about the pinnacle of achievement as an owner, David Glass equals Ewing Kaufman. But we don't remember to 20 years we can when this podcast is still rolling strong absolutely we can look back well, maybe on we'll this. be up to 30 listeners by yeah then. hopefully that's the plan mm-hmm. we, I'll ask me that ask me this question in 30 in 20 years who has a better legacy i think it's it'll be ewing kaufman because he brought baseball back to kansas city um the the payroll the discrepancy in big market and small market payrolls wasn't as large as it is uh, when David Glass bought the team for $96 million. Talk about a return on your investment. Um, but the discrepancy wasn't as big then between big market and small market. Um, so I think Kaufman will always be remembered more fondly. I mean, they named the freaking stadium after him. But yeah. I think I think David Glass should be given you know, credit for uh, helping this team. Uh, man, it was so awesome to have Kansas City – be like united as one city, not Mizzou or KU or K State fans, but as Royals fans when they won the World Series. That was like the coolest feeling in the world. So, and now they're back to having twenty fans in the stands. Okay, come on now, don't be a hater. I'm don't sorry, hate. I'm sorry. Hey, I just dropped my phone. That means it's time to wrap things up. All right, we'll talk yeah. to you guys next week. If you got any yeah. topic ideas, tweet at me or tweet at Ace. Um, shout out. To oh, who did I want to shout out today? Oh, Zeke Elliott, get that paper, son. Just oh, signed yeah. a ninety million dollar contract, which is going to ensure that the Cowboys will be mediocre for the next six years. Oh, shots fired! I'm sorry, honey. He said that I didn't. I I did. I'll stand uh, by it. I'll uh, stand by it. We'll talk to you guys team. next week. Uh, and hey, real quick before we go, um, Fraggle. We will have you on soon, but my my plan was to have him on this week to recap week one, but that didn't happen. Fraggle, uh, Fraggle Rock, is he still listening? He, st- I hope so. I hope so. Uh, but I'll get I'll get with him. We'll have him on soon. He really wants to come on the show. Okay, sounds uh, sounds good. All right, guys. We'll see you next week.